Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. Thank you for the privilege. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. And there's these guys. You two are the best. You agree? <laughs> right on. Uh, my name is Tim. If you don't know me, hi. Some call me Tim. Oh, I love you too. Oh. It, is a, it is a huge privilege to, to be here with you today. It's a privilege to be with everyone joining us online. Hi, Ruth. Hi, Mike. Glad you're here. And uh, I'm looking forward to this morning. This is a big deal to be able to, to meet together. This is huge. It's huge even, yeah, it's huge at any time. But this is good to have everyone in one place. Um, virtually, in reality, every which way. And uh, it's not, not so that you can hear Tim. It's not so you can hear Tim. But God says things corporately. It's good to worship corporately. It's good to rub shoulders with people that, that think and, and live differently than you and, and have your whole life just expanded by the body of Christ as you, read, as you meet every part of his body here. Yeah, it's a big deal. I want to read a verse, and uh, at the back, this is not a verse that I gave you. This is something completely different, so don't worry about it. It's not that it's missing, it's that I, I, I added it. This is from Matthew, chapter 11. He's just brought his... His disciples back, he sent them out to do miracles and to preach the kingdom. And uh, he's got strong words for the places that didn't respond. He says, man, woe to you. Woe, anytime Jesus says woe, it's, it's a big deal. He's like, are you not a woe? You're not a woe type of person, Jesus. Why are you saying woe to people? Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago. Yeesh. Ugh. I tell you what, it'd be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. Oh my gosh, <laughs> like, this, is, this is Jesus. Read the room, that's a horrible thing to say. It'd be better for the land of Sodom than for you. Oh my, ah, okay. At that time, verse 25, here's, here's where he comes back. Here's the way out. Here's the way out. If you ever felt Jesus is saying woe to you, this is the way out right here. Verse 25, at that time Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. How are we going to figure out God? Not. Not. The Son reveals him. He is the manifestation of God. Come to me, come to me. My, somebody read this today. 
Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Father God, we, we thank you, we bless, and we are blessed by the reading of your word today. Father, we say yes to your word. We pray for, the, for this word to be spoken to me first and to each one of us here and to anyone that listens. Father God, we love you and we trust you. Bless us. Amen. Amen. There is something so huge here. Anytime I've read this verse in the past, when I think of yoke, uh, I think of something very heavy. And it's like Jesus is, uh, see, okay, you, you, yokes are heavy, the big wooden, you all know what a yoke is. Put them on oxen. They used to look like big wooden heavy frames put on the back that you could, you could haul heavy plows with, pull them along. And he's saying here, here's how I read this. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for my, uh, uh, I am gentle and lonely heart and you'll find rest for your soul. It's, it's sound, yeah, my yoke is easy. He says, my yoke is easy. Uh, you're, I'm gonna, you've got a big burden on you. I'm going to give you a different burden. And I was like, huh. That's, I guess it's better than a heavy burden, but it's still a burden. I, I don't know if I want any more. Um, that's not the job of a yoke. The job of a yoke is not to be heavy. The job of a yoke is to direct, is to send you in the right direction so that oxen who can do heavy work don't plow through the flower patch um, so they don't you know, pull it through the living room. They pull it where it's supposed to go. And Jesus is saying, not that I give you a weight, but that I give you a direction. And he's calling for obedience. He's calling for obedience. He's saying, and this is kind of, uh, it's difficult to call to obedience in our culture. uh, Because we're more focused on rights. We're more focused on privileges. We're more focused on freedom without responsibility. And he's saying the way out is to take your place as a child at my side and to let me direct you. Uh, Where I direct you is going to be good. Where I direct you is not going to be graceless and painful and and without life. It's not going to be without life. It is going to be with me. It is going to be with me. There is no woe for anyone that puts on the yoke that Jesus gives you. There is no no judgment for anyone that follows Jesus into what he has for you. It will be tough, and it could be tough. Is it bouncing around? It's all right. It's all right. Great word. Thank you. Thank you. That's what I need. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you for praying in the pre-service huddle. You broke something there. I really appreciate that. Hmm. Obedience. Be a child. Avoid the woes. <laughs> don't, don't let it be said that it was better for Sodom than for you. Yikes. We want to follow Christ. We want to follow Christ. If you've never followed Christ, there's an opportunity today to do that. I want that opportunity to come at the end of the service. Listen. Please listen. So what is, what is the call upon us here today? This is, a, this is a, what's the onward and outward? Onward and outward. That's the theme this week. 
this month. Uh, there's a call on us. And I, if I am very honest, okay, here's where, here's where I'm at. Here's where I'm at. I like to conserve my strength. I'm a pretty chill guy. And uh, if, if I'm being completely honest, even as an assistant pastor, some of, some of the mornings I most look forward to, evil Tim, I'm saying dark Tim, this is what dark Tim looks forward to, uh, are the Sundays I'm not doing anything. <laughs> Shadow dark Tim is like, oh. oh, I forgot my coffee down there, but it's like watching the world go by on a Sunday morning. I'm not leading service. I'm not preaching. I'm not taking care of the toilets. And uh, I'm just like enjoying the ride, enjoying the ride. Uh, I, if, I'm, if I followed that through, though, those are also going to be the Sundays I am least engaged. I have the, statistically, I have the least God encounters. Um, I have the least, I, I feel walking away from that day, I've had the least impact on other people's lives. Um, if you asked me, what was God saying to me that day when I'm home for lunch? I would say, I don't know. I'm not too sure. Uh, dark Tim does not, comes to a dark end. And, uh, and you always got to push against that. You got to push against that guy. So we want to not do that. What do we want to do? We want to be engaged. Uh, this is a good time to practice engagement on Sunday morning. It's going to practice it because what you practice, you will continue doing. When I practice my engagement here, um, I can carry it out the rest of the week. I can carry it out even the things that I'm, I'm relatively sure I'm not gifted for, like working at a desk. I hate working at a desk, but I have to do it. Um, and I can get it done. I might even be able to see God's will happen once in a while when I'm sitting at my desk. It may happen. It may happen. Okay. Now we're going to pick back up Philippians chapter 2. I'm just going to keep on going. Philippians 2. Now this is a prison epistle. Tim, what is a prison epistle? It's, it's a letter written from prison. Paul, probably in prison at Rome, limited in his movement, uh, he is held back. Uh, if, if I, for me, the word languishing came up a few times this week. I read a great article on it. For me, that tends to, to, to be a bit of a label that I can put on maybe the season of life that I find myself in sometimes over these last couple of months. And uh, when I think of languishing, I think of prisons. I languished in prison. Uh, Joseph languishing in prison before, before he was called out. Uh, Paul had that opportunity to languish in prison. Uh, did he take it? No. Paul, a little bit better than me, did not just ride it out on, in prison. He actually got pretty busy in prison. He got, he got pretty active. He wrote letters to the Philippians that I'm going to read from right now. Here's, here's what he says. Here's how he describes his time in prison when he could be languishing. Yeah. 
I want you to know, brothers, verse 12, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest of my imprisonment that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So he is, he is looking for opportunity. There is always opportunity. You can, you can have a sense of languishing. You can have a sense that your life is stalled. And God will always be placing an opportunity in front of you. The yoke of Christ, a light one and a directive one, was resting upon Paul's life in prison. And it directed him forward into what he could do there with the people that he was surrounded by. The whole imperial guard knew why he was there. And they knew the gospel. Uh, Paul was not trapped in prison with imperial guards. Imperial guards were trapped in prison with Paul. (laughs) Who Who is trapped in the room with you? Who is trapped in the room with you? Come on. Come on. Who is in the office with you? Who is on the work site with you? Um, Hopefully they don't feel like they're trapped with you. (laughs) But they are God's given place. They are God given people to you. They're there to fight you to fight for them. Who are the people around you right now? To your left and your right. Take a look. Like these are the people. (laughs) You can see the look around. Who's around you right now? Who are the opportunities God has given you to speak life into? In a languishing prison vibe, in a languishing prison feeling, opportunities are given, are given. So what do we do? How do you, how do you pull yourself up from being like uh, evil Tim uh, to being uh, prison Paul? <laughs> no one wants to hear from prison Mike or prison Tim. Uh, <laughs> I'm afraid to use jokes around, you know, like social media and movies and stuff like that, because I'm not sure if everybody gets them. Prison Tim. Who's prison Paul? All right, Philippians chapter 2. Here's where he gets his life from. Here's the result of it. Philippians 2 verse 1, it says, If there is any encouragement in Christ, if any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Okay, contrast that. He's not saying consider yourself insignificant. Think of the specifics of this. He's saying consider others very significant. Okay? All right, don't go for false humility. I'm like, oh, I'm literally here and I'm here. No, they're just saying, like, give them significance. Give people around you significance. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. You mean I got I to gotta get this? No, it's yours. You have this mind in Christ Jesus. What, what do you do? What? Okay, well, here's what I've missed out. Here's what... Shady Tim on Sunday morning misses out on. He misses out on the mind of Christ. He misses out on partaking of the mind of Christ that Sunday morning. Oh my gosh. That's a, that is a big deal. That's a huge deal. We engage so that we can enjoy the mind of Christ that he has given us. 
It is something, and if you look at, I think it's 2 Corinthians 2, it talks about what we know of God and what we know of his riches for us is only revealed by the Holy Spirit. But it is participated in by by acting on the mind of Christ that he has given you. And this is part of our, our position in Christ. We've invited Jesus. If you've invited Jesus into your heart, he came. He arrived. And he opens up the door to have the mind of Christ for the moments you walk in. For the hell you experience, he has the mind of Christ for you. For the joy that you experience, he has the mind of Christ for you. For the problems of another person, he has the mind of Christ for you when you are near them. Does that mean you fixed it? Maybe not. But they may not feel alone. They may not feel alone. I've had people ask me the question when, when there's a funeral. Uh, and we've had some, we've had some very, uh, we've had huge, a couple of very, some very huge funerals in this place that had, had tragic stories. And I'd have people walk past me in the hallway and they're like, I just don't know what to do. They, they didn't, it wasn't about their family, but they were friends. And they'd be like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say to them. And, and I don't have the right answer. And I was like, nobody does. Nobody does. So can you be with them? Can you be with them? Can you spend time with them? Can you not be afraid of silence? Can you be present? This is the beginning of the practice of having the mind of Christ that is ours. Because we know Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, you can have this. You can have the guidance of the Son of God in your life. And it goes back to what I, what I read at first. This is about obedience. I'm not calling people to obey me. That is a super dangerous thing. But I am calling people to obey Christ. I'm calling you to obey Christ. There is life there. There is freedom there. There is purpose and effectiveness there. It's yours in Christ Jesus. And describing him, he says, who... Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of his servant, being born in the likeness of men. The creator became a creature. It's crazy. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's asking us to follow him. Follow him. The one that this, this poem, this hymn in the middle of Philippians is written about. Follow him. How do we do that? That sounds, uh, in the natural, it sounds pretty, pretty impossible. Like I said, we've got his mind. What else do we need? We need to know when to say no to uh, shady, shady Tim. <laughs> shady you, shady me. Uh, when he's calling out for that. He's like, no, no, you know what? I know it's a heavier burden, but it's mine. It's a heavier yoke, but I think I'd like to carry it anyway because I can take it in my own direction. I can pull it through the, I can pull it through the weeds. I can pull it through the, the, the flower patching. Pull it through the living room for a while, but it's mine. I was like, ah, oh. well, enjoy that. 
Enjoy that. See how, so many friends that gets you. See how effective your life feels. It'll be a great time, I'm, I'm sure. I am sure. What do you do? What do you do? What did Jesus do? I read this passage when I was going through the fast. Um, I'm not going to ask how many, you know, fasted during that week. Because then you'd lose all your reward in heaven if you I don't know, I fasted. So I did it for recognition. Uh, but a lot of us, many of us, fasted something for, uh, for five days last week. And um, sometimes amazing things happen during that fast. Sometimes amazing things happen after that fast. Sometimes it's the best of a week. Sometimes it is the worst. Sometimes you just try not to rip someone's head off. And, uh, and other times it's like, I'm full of grace and mercy and truth. And this is, uh, I just bless you, my child. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, it was an easier fast for me this, this year for some reason. I don't know. Some, it was easy. And this is the verse that I was reading during that fast. The temptation of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. And I, I only got through the first temptation. This is, it spoke to me. I stopped. I camped on it. This is where I stayed. Matthew 4, verse 1. It says, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Well, gosh. Uh, first of all, that really concerned me because I was like, does God tempt? He led him? What? Holy Spirit into temptation? Uh, no. That word tempted is tested. That is a testing, not a tempting. Let's, let's make that clear right now. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted, tested by the devil. After lasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And this is... This is, you know, Shady Tim on a Sunday morning. Um, all bread. All bread. Nothing but bread. Just enjoying, not the eternal, you know, engagement. I'm just enjoying a coffee and watching the parade. And, and, I, get, and I reap the rewards of it. Very little eternal satisfaction there. And this is where Jesus made his stand. And I would say that everything that came after Matthew 4... His Sermon on the Mount, his teaching, came out of his response to this moment. He answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. If you're a materialist, materialism meaning that there's no spirit, you think that this is all there is. All you got is bread. All you've got is physical bread, the physical nourishment, the here and now, non-eternal. And Jesus is looking past that. He's saying that there is something more. There is something more. And this is what I want to call us to today, to say that there is more than material now satisfaction. There is eternal reward. There is even eternal calling. And there is eternal calling even for people that don't believe that they have a calling or an eternity. There is a calling upon them. There is a calling upon each one of us here. And when we do uh, invitations for volunteering, this is not just to keep the lights on. This is not just 
to, I, we got another program, we need warm bodies, therefore we do a, we do, we invite people to help us, please, yes, because we need your help. Uh, it's because this is where callings are discovered and formed. This is where the callings are discovered and formed. This is where voices are formed. This is, where, this is where preachers are found. This is where musicians are found. This is where people that care for young people are found. This is where baristas are made. <laughs> In places such as this. This is an important place. This is an important place. Uh, I, I knew I had a call of God. And, and I, I did many different things to try and discover it. I, t- I tried to say n- no to as few things as I could. My first official role here at the church was as the uh, janitor. Janitor, years and years ago, probably 2008, seven. I was the janitor. And then later on, eight years ago, they asked if I would uh, be the youth leader. Ah! It's a rich heritage there, Sarana. Uh, and I said no. I said no because I'm 40, and I don't do all-nighters, and I don't do dodgeball anymore. I remember what that was like. I remember being a youth leader, youth pastor, years and years ago, having a sleepover at the church, and I literally learned how to sleep with one eye open because as soon as I closed my eyes, you started creeping towards me, and I was like, uh, uh, uh. And, and I just like, don't know what they're going to do, but you're not going to do it. And, and I just remember that, and I'm like, look, I'm 40, and I just don't want to do that. But I, I really, and I was just like, okay, God, what do you want? What do you want? And, and I was like, I know what I can do from, from experiences volunteering in the past. I would love to work with young adults. How about we find quality young adults to lead the youth, and I will work with them. Let's do that. And I was like, bang, okay, this works now, this works. And we saw incredible people come out of that. Jay and Sloan were some of that quality team, good folk, and, and we saw good things come out of this. And it's only gotten better, Sarana. You guys and your team, Douglas, that whole, that whole crew of volunteers, they rock it. They rock it here, they rock it among, among Calgary. And, uh, and it's doing so good. It's taken such leaps and bounds. But this is where you discover these callings, is by stepping out and saying yes. The temptation, the inertia is, is, to, is to pull back and go, no, you've done enough. Or you've got so much on your plate. I'm asking you to ask Jesus, what is the yoke that he has asked you to carry? What is that? Is, is your yoke easy and light? And by that, I don't mean simple or uncomplicated. I mean, is it Jesus' yoke? Is the one that he is there with you in? Do you know what that yoke is? I am quite happy to put yokes on that are, are big and bulky, obligatory. Um, um, I, I get in all kinds of trouble sometimes. I know if you're one of those people that overcommits, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but there is a yoke that even if it is challenging, it is Jesus's for you. And I know when I'm operating in the grace of Christ. I know when I've hit that sweet spot. And I aim for that more and more often. This is what he has for us. And there is discipline. There is a discipline attached to having a yoke upon your life. It is, it is one that says, who is in charge? Uh, 
and it is not you. It is not you. Jesus is actually quoting here when he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's quoting Deuteronomy 8. He's quoting the Old Testament. What is up with that? And here is is Deuteronomy 8 and verse 5. Or verse 3. Here's what it says. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Awesome. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. There's discipline here. If, if you have not experienced good parental discipline, this may rub you funny, but there is, there is a love that God has for us that says, I will not leave you alone. That I'm not here to, I, first of all, love is a given. Love is here for you as you are. And then the only one that can possibly say this with any integrity and wisdom and power is, is that I also have an amazing plan for your life. I also have something, uh, Tim, uh, Melissa, Marsha, uh, Tyler, Marianne, that I have, I have dreamt about since before you were created that I want to make you for, and it's discipline that leads you into that. Is it, what kind of discipline is that? Is that no, it's kindness. It is crucial conversations that the Holy Spirit can have with you directly, sometimes through another person, sometimes as you're volunteering. There is gentleness. Take my yoke upon you, frown meek and lowly in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. He will direct you in a kind way. He will lead you forward in kindness, but with discipline. And it'll be healthy, and it will grow. And this is the call upon this place is to grow. How do we do that? We take part. We take part in what's happening. And so that's pretty much where I want to I wrap it up right there. I want us to put on a proper yoke, a proper burden that directs us forward. We can have the keys back up now. If you've been tired of how you've lived your own life, or if you feel that you've lived a life that has been lacking purpose. Um, if you felt like God is even distant. Um, this, is, this is one place that I go back to quite often. Is I go back and I lay my life back before Christ. And I say yes. And I give him that blank check. And I say, Jesus, my life is yours. I'm saying yes to you. I'm saying I trust your guidance. I trust you to shepherd me. I trust you to lead me forward. I trust that you know what I can and can't take. And I put my trust in you. If you don't know Jesus, this is a great moment to know him now, to be introduced to him. Uh, Let's have everyone's, just close their eyes for a second. I'm inviting you to give your life to Jesus. If you've gone away and and you feel like you've walked away from from the direction and the leading of Jesus in your life, I'm inviting you to come back to him. I'm inviting you to purpose and to receive all 
that God has dreamt about for your life, the one that made you, the one that gave you the specific gifts that he's given you. So if you would like to rededicate your heart to Jesus, you can just pray, pray with me. You say, Jesus, I've gone my own way. I've lived my own life. I've put my own burdens on myself. I have not obeyed you. Jesus, forgive me. I'm inviting you in. I'm saying yes to you and all that you have for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making me your child. Amen. Amen. If there was, um, let, let's just rise now. Let's just stand up. We're going to close this. Up. I'm going to pray. But if there was anyone here that prayed that prayer for the first time, or you rededicated your life, I would like to pray for you right now. Just stick up your hand, just for like, just so I can make eye contact with you and pray with you, pray for you, anyone. Is there anyone here? I'm looking over on this side of the area. Looking in the middle. Okay. Father God, we thank you for what you've done here. We thank you that your call is upon us, that you have not left us, and that you are actually calling us to a higher place. You're calling us to deep purposes Sunday morning. You're calling us to deep purposes during the week. You're calling us to release the mind of Christ. And I do that right now in Jesus' name. I release the enjoyment of the mind of Christ throughout the week in what we do. That we would be inspired and enabled by the mind of Christ to show us the opportunities you have given us, the people you've given us to be responsible to love. Thank you, Father, for putting us in this time and place to do your will and to bring your kingdom come. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.